That's just the coolest thing I think I've ever seen in my whole life. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Yeah. My name is Doug Brown. I'm the high school pastor here, and I'm happy to be with you this morning. I'm glad to see everyone made it out in the rain. Is it still raining outside? Yes? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you like the rain or do you not like the rain? Yeah? It's good to see that there's some college students here this morning. It's like 5 in the morning for them right now. They all went to bed at 3 a.m., so give them a round of applause. Good to be here, guys. Glad you made it. Just going to get started here in just a second. It's totally normal. Everything is fine. Don't worry. Hope you had a great morning. We're going to continue with the Sons of Korah after this message. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay, now we can get started here. Wait, let me get a little more. There we go. Okay. All right, now let's get started. Today we are continuing our series in the Chronicles of the Kings, and we get to move forward. I feel like you guys are having a hard time paying attention to me. What's going on here? Eyes over here, right? What, are you looking at this? This is totally normal, right? Don't we do this every Sunday? I feel like we should. It's so fun to set things on fire. All right, you got to get a lot of smoke going here. All right. There we go. Okay, now we're ready. Do you want me to explain what this is first or what's going on here? This is normal, no? <laughs> no, this isn't normal. What on earth am I doing? This is a very strange thing. Hopefully I don't set the fire. Hopefully firemen don't pour in here through the back doors. I'm doing this as an object lesson this morning. We have incense in our church this morning. Why? Why on earth am I doing this? Don't worry, it's odorless. It won't hurt you. It might hurt me a little bit. <laughs> Why am I doing this? This makes such no sense to us. I want to prove to you a point. I want to bring up a massive difference between our Sunday mornings, our worship, and a way our coming together as the church, and what used to happen thousands of years ago in ancient Israel in the temple. This, would this be a common sight? Incense, smoke. Yeah, absolutely. What was it? I want to teach you the power and the point of what we, what we see here, because in our story today, if you don't get it, this will seem like nothing, and it won't be very important to you, but I want you to know that it is incredibly important. Let me put this out before Ryan or the tech team kills me. <laughs> the smoke in the temple was an important thing. When you went to worship God in the temple, and we don't have a temple nowadays, in a, in a lot of ways, we are the temple, right? Our bodies are the stones of the temple. But in ancient Israel, when you would go to the temple, there would be smoke filling the temple. The smoke offered on the altar of incense was to be an aroma in the prayers of the people. It also would symbolize the Lord's presence in the temple. So, who would light the incense, who would offer the incense, who would give up this smoke? The priests, the priests of Aaron. And it was a holy bloodline, an important job, not something that anyone could just walk up and decide to do. This was something very much so set apart for a group of people, and it was very thick. The symbolism was very thick. It would be like this. You know how there's a queen in England? Yes? And you know how there's, what's the, the Prince of Wales? No, the, the, is that a thing? You guys might know. What is it? The Prince of Wales? All right. Charles, right? It's as if I would walk over, just some American guy, walk up to the front door of the Buckingham Palace, knock on it, which I don't think it has a front door. And then the queen answers, which I don't think would ever happen. And I say, hey, queen, just want to let you know, I 
am taking over the position of Prince of Wales. So when you're starting to feel sick, let me know and I'll come over. We'll do the whole switchover thing. That would be ridiculous because it's not for me, right? It's this position completely set apart away from me that I can't just assume and take over thinking that I can do that. So for us, when we think about the temple, when you think about lighting of incense and offering incense and offering this, think of very thick symbolism. The prayers of the Jewish people going up to the Lord to be a sweet aroma, something that was set apart for the holy bloodline, the priests of Aaron to do. Okay? Does that make sense? Are we all on the same page? Now, open your Bibles up to 2 Chronicles 26. We're going to talk about a king. The king that we're going to talk about this morning is Uzziah. Uzziah. Uzziah was a king in Israel during the middle of the southern kingdom, right? He's kind of smack dab in the middle. About 200 years before the Babylonian captivity, Uzziah ascends to the throne after his father when he's 16 years old. Are there any 16-year-olds in here? Yeah? Somebody stand up who's 16. Are there any of them? Yeah? There you go. Boom. Max Krushevich right there. There's our King Uzziah. Woo! All right. And Danny. These guys are great. Wonderful. So he ascends to the the throne at 16 years old. He reigns for 52 years. And what we're going to do is we're just going to read through here in 2 Chronicles 26. So follow along with me, and I want to point out some of these things that are going on in this story. And then after our story, I'm going to make a few points about Uzziah that have to do with pride. Because if you've never heard of the story of Uzziah, well, it's interesting, and it gets a little crazy. Follow along with me, all right? 2 Chronicles 26, right there in the beginning. All and all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. And a little bit down further in verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechalila of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah. We're in verse 5. <clears throat> That smoke destroyed me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and most people had, must have had terrible allergies back in those days. <clears throat> I wouldn't have survived. We're in verse 5. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And this is a very important verse. Highlight this verse. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God prospered him. Well, how did God prosper him? Well, it looks like this, continuing on in verse 6. Now he went out and warred against the Philistines, and he broke down the walls of the Philistines. Further down, he built cities in the area of Ashdog and among the Philistines. Verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians. And then in verse 8, the Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah and his fame extended to the border of Egypt. This is the kind of king you want to have, right? The king doesn't come aboard and say, I'm now the king. We're going to shrink the kingdom down a little bit. Uh, we're going to just give up on our enemies. When we go into battle, we'll just lay our weapons down. No, well, the king that you want is going to come to the throne and say, guess what? We're taking more. Land. Those people that have been beaten up on us, we're going to beat right back up on them. And we're going to take over more land and grow, knock down their walls. And that's what's happening. Uzziah comes to the throne and the kingdom grows. Continue with me further. In verse 9, 
Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress and fortified them. Not only is Uzziah, Uzziah winning battles out in the field, he's building a powerful capital. In Jerusalem, he's building towers, areas in which they can defend their capital city. Moving down even more in verse 10. He built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns, for he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. And he also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and in the fertile fields. I love this line. For he loved the soil. He was a man of the soil. What is, what is going on here? This is the college application brag sheet for Uzziah, right? I mean, he's saying, guys, look at how awesome. The writer's saying, look at how awesome Uzziah was. He comes to power. He's taking over land. He's just doing awesome things. He's building towers in our capital city to defend us. Not only in the capital city, he's building towers out in the wilderness. Cisterns are big, gigantic, well-like holes in the ground to hold water. Why? So that you could live out in the desert. So people are living out in the desert. They're protecting the nation of Israel. Not only that, oh, we got food. We got lots of food. We have vine dressers. We have wine. We have cattle. Our dirt, I pick the dirt up and I love the dirt. I'm a man of the dirt. Uzziah is just coming off great right now. Continuing on in verse 11. Moreover, Uzziah had an army. What? Not only is he just taking over places, and he's building towers. He's got steak on the grill and wine in the fridge. I don't think it's where you keep wine, but what, and he's got all this stuff. Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered into combat by divisions, which means they're awesome. According to their number of their muster, and then go down to verse 12. The total number of the heads of households of valiant warriors was 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 people, over 300,000 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemies. Whoa, Uzziah is awesome. He's growing an army to continue the domination of the people who have opposed him. He's protecting himself. He's providing. The economy is booming. Continuing into verse 14. Moreover, Uzziah prepared all of the army with shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and (laughs) sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Man, it just goes on and on. Are you getting the picture of Uzziah? Yeah? He's just taken over. Not only is his army huge, they're, they're well-equipped. They got shields. They have arrows, sling stones. Not only that, he has skillful men building contraptions which can shoot gigantic arrows that can hurl stones at the enemy. Things that people hadn't even invented yet. This is happening in their capital city, all within a booming economy and a growing nation and doing pretty great. And then in the end of verse 15, there's an important verse. It says this, Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Now, don't read ahead. Stop right there. Stop it. Don't stop reading. (laughs) Look at... I'll bring the smoke back. 
He was marvelously helped till he was strong. I like to think of this, this story being taught to kids. And, and the teacher in the synagogue is telling about this story. And he, and he just he gives this message, right? And then he's like, now kids, go home and pretend that you are little Uzziahs. And the kids are going home and they're walking home. They've made little wooden swords. They're like, I'm Uzziah. No, I'm Uzziah. Somebody builds a little contraption that shoots rocks, hits their mom in the head while they're, you know, doing something. I'm Uzziah. And they're all having fun. And then the mom and dad are there in the house and they're thinking, wait till they go to school tomorrow. Because the kids are so pumped. This is a hero, right? He's the hero of heroes. This is the type of king you want. But the kids go back to school. But before we do, I actually have a treat for you. Here's the treat. I don't know if you know this, but Calvary actually just went to Israel. Do you know this? Yeah, you too can go to Israel. It's a marvelous, wonderful place, and we'll take you there. But not today, another time. But they just went, and a group of people went, and Matt Davis and Eric Wakeling were kind of leaders on the trip, and they told me that in a synagogue that they were in, they had actually unearthed a part of a mural that they think is Uzziah. It's actually pretty amazing. There's a lot of detail, and there's some swords, all these amazing things. It kind of gives us a picture of what a mighty Jewish king would look like. I want you to check it out. This is what Matt Davis told me. That's what it looked. They uncovered it, and this is what they found. I feel like the stonework is just marvelously detailed around here's eyes. There it is, our Jewish king. I think my, Matt might be lying to me, but I don't know. I think it looks pretty detailed. No. Although I do love Matt. He could be a king, right? Maybe? All right. Uh, m- moving on. <laughs> the kids, they go back to school, right? Mom and dad say, well, you got to hear lesson two of this whole thing. So they send the kids back to school. And now we're here at verse 16. I picture the kids walk in. They're like, I want to be Uzziah. Uzziah's the best. The teacher's wearing all black. The low voice. Verse 16, right? This great contrast. Let me start again in verse 15. Or the end of it. Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Verse 16. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. For, now remember to the beginning of when I came up here. And and again in verse 16. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Then Azariah the priest entered after him. And with 80 priests, brave men. Because you're about to go confront the king who's awesome and doing really great. Remember, a big army with really good swords, and he's invented big arrows that can shoot people from far away. And now you're a priest who's going to go oppose him. Then Azariah, the priest, entered after him, and with 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men, they opposed Uzziah, the king, and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, And you will have no honor from the Lord our God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand to burn incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, leprosy, a skin disease, breaks out on his forehead before, uh, breaks out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord, beside the altar of incense. Uzziah oversteps his boundaries. Because he's become prideful of what he's done, He takes himself to be able to be like or above the priests 
and he goes to burn incense. And at the moment he gets angry at the priest for confronting him, leprosy breaks out on his forehead. Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there. And he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. Yeah, I would be a little freaked out too if leprosy broke out on my forehead. Verse 21, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging all the people of the land. And then down in 23, so Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried, buried him in his, the father's field of the grave, which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. And Jotham, his son, became king in his place. In one moment, Uzziah throws it all away. In one moment, Uzziah throws this away. The kingdom in which he had been a part of, the ways in which God had marvelously helped him, he threw it away in this verse right here. In these, this little spot where he had come to a place where he was marvelously helped, because of it, because, his, because of that, his heart became so proud and he acted corruptly. He thought that he could go and overstep his boundaries. He was proud. And this morning we're going to talk about pride. I have three points off of this that I want us to look at in Uzziah's life and I want you to think about in your life so that when you walk out of here today, you'll never struggle with pride ever again. Deal? I promise you, I'm the best preacher in the entire world. You'll never struggle with pride again. Just learn from my lesson. I'm the best. No, it's very difficult because this is a hard thing to get a hold of and deal with. But Uzziah gives us a great lesson. If you have an outline, take it out. These three points are in there. The first point is this. Uzziah's downfall was his prior success. Now, what on earth do I mean by that? Because a lot of us have had prior success. And does that mean that you were heading for downfall? Well, maybe, because Uzziah was successful. And what Uzziah's success did for him was led him to pride. Think about this. It's easy for us to offer up sometimes our failures. Because as we sit at the bottom, right, of a failed job or a failed test or a failed marriage, or a failed relationship, as we sit there with nowhere else to turn, only looking up, at that moment, it's easy to hand God that, that pile of junk, and say, God, I, I guess do something with this. Lord, help me. I'll give you everything that's going on in my life, because everything in my life is complete failure. So here, take it all. And that comes almost easy for us. But when we sit on top of success, on top of a really good educational year, on top of a successful business or job, on top of a successful marriage with good kids, we're tempted, like Uzziah, to look around and say this, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. I can take credit for most of this. This school year, this job, this business, yeah, the Lord helped me out, of course. I was praying real hard in the beginning, but now, I mean, this thing runs itself. I'm the man, right? Or I'm the woman. Look at my kids. These kids rock. That's on me, right? Or whatever it is. You look at your friendships. These friendships are pretty awesome. It's because I'm so awesome. <laughs> it's when we sit in success that it's difficult for us to hand this over. Here, let, me, let me give you another picture. When I worked at Hume Lake, I used to work at Hume Lake for, a, for one summer. 
And Hume Lake is a summer camp where our high school students go. And at Hume Lake, there's this game called Kajabi Can Can. It's like the Super Bowl of games at camp. It's a game where you go around these trash cans with ropes. If you've never heard of it, it sounds weird. But it's really fun. And everyone gets really, really into it. So I'm a referee, week one for Kajabi Can Can, and people are out of their mind excited. The camp director comes down and says, all right, everybody, listen up. This is the biggest thing we do in the entire camp. I want you to be on your A game, energy at 11. Don't mess this up. The kids are going to be screaming in your faces. The camp counselors might throw you a sidearm when you're not looking. So you just got to be on your A game. Better get ready for it. I'm like, all right, I quit. I'm out. You know, I was just terrified. I remember specifically they had these little, these little like, like huts. I don't even know what they were. These little like cabana, not cabana, little cabins. We're in the woods. Come on. A cabin. I go around this cabin and I remember I seriously stopped. I was like, I'm going to go grab some ropes. And I went around. I'm like, God, please, I don't have the energy to do this, Lord. Help me. I'm so terrified. I'm 19 years old. Why did they hire me? What am I doing? All right, let's do this. Come on. All right, I'm ready. And it was by the grace alone of God that I was really able to make it through those beginning weeks. I was relying heavily on God to, to give me strength. And that you could translate to anything. Work, marriage, relationships, schools, friends, sports, anything. But then week nine... The same game rolls around. All right, high energy, we got to do this, everybody. And I'm like, that's right. And I know how to do that. I don't need God. I got this. I became Uzziah. Because at that moment, I, I'd say, I don't need you, Lord. I needed you in the beginning, maybe, to get me where I was. But then when I was at the spot where I was awesome, I took credit for it all. And we do that. So our first point. Uzziah's downfall was his prior success. Don't let your success be your downfall in that you take credit for it. The second point is this. Pride is hard to get a hold of. It really is. It's a confusing thing. Am I being prideful if I'm being successful? If I say that I'm prideful, is that actually humble? Am I humble if I'm being saying that I'm humble? Is that actually pride? It's hard. I, I have a hard time figuring out when am I being humble? When am I being prideful? If I'm really good at what I do, does that mean I can't be humble? It's a difficult thing. Uzziah gives us an example of what it looks like. Uzziah's pride and sometimes our pride manifests itself in the taking of liberties. In the taking of liberties. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that God uses people when they are humble. Right? It means that when we get to a place where we think that we're being successful, we begin to take other people and push them down a little bit and even sometimes the scariest part is that we can sometimes even push God down a little bit to say, ah, I think I've had the success in this area. I'm going to use my liberty to overstep my bounds and take liberty in this area. Just look at what happened to Uzziah's life. When Uzziah had gotten to a point where he was being so awesome and taking over so much, it says this. Go to verse 17. Verse 17 says this. Then Azariah the priest entered after him with 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And then in verse 18, this is Uzziah taking his liberty and overstepping. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests of Aaron. What are you doing? When we start to push others down and put ourselves above others, put ourselves above God, and think that we can be what God is, we begin to take liberties and overstep. This happens to me. I'm going to be honest, if I can be totally honest with you. But before I do, how's everyone doing? Did the smoke mess with your eyes? Are you okay? 
I feel like I can't breathe. Let's continue on. I'll be honest with you. This happens to me as a youth pastor. I've been a youth pastor for a long time. And sometimes students will come into my life. And I feel like I've grown a little bit, but this used to happen to me a lot. Students would come into my life and they would say, Doug, I got so many problems. One, two, three, four, five. And that's as far as I can count. And I'm like, well, you need to go back to school because you can't count. Um, But no, they would say, I got all these problems, right? And I need your help with them. And I think when I first started, I thought, that is terrifying. I have no idea what to do. Let's go to the Lord and pray and see what the scriptures say, see what the truth has to say about this situation and be on our knees before God and say, God, you got to meet us and help us here. But now I got into a point in my being a youth pastor where I say, oh, that one's easy. That one's simple. All you got to do is that. And then that's it. And you're done. Right? And I would think, you don't need the Lord. You just need me. So I'm just going to be the Lord in your life. I'll just overstep my bounds. I'll take the liberty to just think that I can fix all your problems real quick. And that's me using my liberty to elevate myself above them and elevate myself in a way above God, which is terrifying. To say, you don't, I can solve your problems. You don't need this. I can solve your problems. And we do that. We do that in our lives. When we push others down, even push God down to say, because of our success, I'll use my liberty. That's how it creeps in. That's how the Uzziah syndrome, I guess you could say, starts. And our last point, if we looked at Uzziah's downfall, was because of his prior success and that he took credit for it, and that Uzziah took liberties, and that he said, I can do this because of who I am. It brings us to our last point. God will use the people he can trust with his glory. What on earth does that mean? Well, it happens all throughout Scripture. In turn, well, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read them for you. In Isaiah 42.8, it says this. 42.8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. And then Isaiah 48.11 says this. For my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned? And my glory I will not give to another. All throughout scripture, God is finding people who are humble, who are lowly, to, to give them his glory. Why? So that people will not get confused who is winning, who is in charge, and the things that are happening. God will give his glory to the humble so that they see God. Just think about the story of Gideon, who goes to fight the Midianite army, right? And as he's fighting them, God says, you got a lot of people, why don't you just cut them in half? Gideon says, okay, I guess that could work. Moving on, you know, you got still got too many people, let's take out some more. Gideon says, okay, we really don't have a lot of people left, why don't we keep moving it? Gideon's thinking, what on earth is going on? And in Judges, in Judges 7, 2, it says this, the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into your hands, for Israel would become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. I always wondered why Jesus chose these lowly people to be his followers. Why didn't he choose Caesar or Herod the Great? Somebody that had a lot of power, prestige, who could do a lot of change. It's because it would be too easy for them to mistake their position in the kingdom of God. God trusts his glory to those who say, don't look at me, look at God. It obviously could not be me. Look at at how lowly I am. And how wonderful things have happened. That has to be the Lord. That was the first part of Uzziah's story. He was 16 when he became king. And these wonderful things happened. 
And instead of at that point saying, God, I am humble and lowly. Look at what you've done. He says, look at what I've done. He oversteps his boundaries. So if you continue down further on your outline, you'll see this little thing. As we go on, we're going to sing some more psalms or even just hear and meditate on some more psalms. We're going to have a psalm of lament, a psalm of praise, a psalm of thanksgiving. I want you to go through a little journey in your mind, keeping in mind our three points. Where have you, maybe in your life, been successful? Are you taking credit for that? Are you allowing God his proper place in your successes? Moving forward, are you overstepping your bounds and putting other people down and elevating yourself above others and even God to say, I can use my liberty because of how awesome I am? Or are you remaining humble? And lastly, is God trusting you with his glory? I would venture a guess to say that if you're taking credit for everything, he won't because God does not share his name. But if you lower yourself to humble yourself and say, I will give glory to God, he will give glory to you. So analyze yourself. Think about it. There's two questions on there. Where has God helped you become strong? It's a good question. And then unlike Uzziah, give thanks to the Lord. You'll have opportunities to meditate on these things and to have God move and pierce your heart. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to get started. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the story of Uzziah, Lord. As he gives us an example of what not to do and how he turned to pride, Lord, I pray that we turn to humility. That when you grant us success, Lord, we turn that around and say, This is because of the glory of God in my life. God, I pray that you would make us successful, that you would use us, that we would be humble enough to house your glory. I pray that Calvary Church would be humble enough to look and say anything that happens here is because of the grace and glory of God, that we would not take credit for our successes, but that we would give all the glory to you. Lord, we love you. I pray that you would be with us, walk with us throughout this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.